0: back to The Midnight Myth, everybody's favorite history, mythology, philosophy, and how those subjects bubble up into our popular story podcast. As always, I am very excited to be back with another Midnight Myth. It feels like it's been a while. I'm not sure. When
1: was our last episode? I think it was only two weeks ago. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Maybe three. I don't know. Two, what maybe is, three. What is time? Time is a flat circle. We've had the flu, so time is especially collapsed upon us now.
0: We have. We are recovering from the flu. You may hear my voice a little extra gravel, gravel gra, blah. blah, blah, blah gravelly? Blah, 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 blah.
1: Gravelly. Thank
0: you. And I might be a little nasally because of it. And, and your mind
1: might be a little mushy.
0: <laughs> and my mind is definitely more than a little mushy. And we're back here with another what I like to brand a midnight myth meditation. As you recall, we did one about a month or so ago about the house of the dragon. And what these are are episodes where there is something that is topical that is on my mind, on Laurel's mind, and we want to bring it to the midnight myth as a point of discussion. And these are all reflections on and meditations about Things happening in popular culture. And now you'll have to bear with us because we have a almost two-year-old, so we don't get to go to the movies like we used to. So we're very behind on a lot of the topics in popular culture. For example, it's almost Christmas 2023. We have yet to see the smash hit uh, second Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever. I'm sure when we see it, we're probably gonna want a podcast about it because we did an episode about Black Panther when it came out before. So we're gonna kind of go back to some things that had happened and some conversations that we saw. And I really have been thinking about this a lot, the subject that I wanna talk about tonight. And I've really wanted to share a sort of personal story about it. And it's another thing where I just wonder if the way we are using a term and discussing about pop culture stories, especially major, big, huge stories like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings are the two I wanna talk about tonight in particular. And I wonder if the way that we discuss them and the way that we reflect and the way that we are critical is really useful or not. So with all that said, I'm going to be opening up a big conversation Much like our other ones, I'm not gonna say my meditations on it are dogmatically true. I would welcome to hear other opinions. But I wanna talk about today, I wanna talk about some of the criticisms I saw to the Amazon Prime show, The Rings of Power, and to the Disney Plus show, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So I wanna discuss some of the ways People discussed those stories today, and I want to reflect on them giving it a midnight myth, not necessarily lens, but meditation. How does that sound to you, Laurel? That
1: sounds wonderful. Let's roll up our sleeves and get it done.
0: Well, before we get too deep into it, Laurel, do your thing.
1: Yeah, my thing is that we would love to hear from you. We're on social media. We're at The Midnight Myth on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram at Midnight Myth Podcast. You can also find us on the web at midnightmyth.com, where there's also a merch store and uh, plenty of extra content on our website. We recently did a guest spot with our good friend Jeff at Garden of Doom on his podcast, and we will let you know as soon as we know the release date on that one. We had a very fun, robust conversation about one of my favorite topics, the Arthurian legend. So I hope that you will tune into that. We will obviously keep you posted when that comes out.
0: Yeah. Thanks you so much, Jeff, for having us back. And listeners, if you want to hear Laurel just go off and just really be in her prime, definitely tune into that. For most of the episode, Jeff and I were just looking at Laurel mouth agape at the just wealth of knowledge that she has on all of the sources and history and legacy Uh, To uh, quote the tagline of our friend M from Verbal Diorama. Yeah, history and legacy. (laughs) Yeah, the history and legacy of the King Arthur story.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I could could go on about that kind of stuff for hours. Uh, If you want to hear me go on about that kind of stuff for hours, too, you can do so on my sleep podcast, Sleep and Sorcery, which is available on all podcast players now on YouTube and on the meditation app Insight Timer. We now also have Sleep and Sorcery merch available in the Midnight Myth store. The shortcut to get there is bit.ly slash shop myth. And I believe there's still just a little bit of time to order stuff if you wanna get it for the holidays. It might be getting close to those shipping deadlines, but check it out. And there's Midnight Myth and Sleep and Sorcery and Wheel of Ka merch in that store. Um, The last thing I will say is that at Sleep and Sorcery, I recently launched my Patreon. So I'm looking to grow some support to help me do more of Sleep and Sorcery, and by virtue of that, more of The Midnight Myth, and do it better. So if you're interested in supporting me, the work that I do creating original bedtime stories inspired by folklore and fantasy, head over to patreon.com slash sleep and sorcery. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome, thank you, Laurel, for doing your thing. On with our show tonight. Obviously, we're going to spoil Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Rings of Power, so if you haven't fully watched those, I'd recommend watching both of those shows before coming in and listening to us. So a few things that I want to just sort of draw out of how we talked in particular on Twitter, which, by the way, I recognize Twitter is not a sample of what most people are thinking, but it is a place where a lot of dialogue around pop culture happens. And I want to talk about some of the criticisms that I saw on those shows and sort of my meditations about them and whether or not I thought they were good criticisms, bad criticisms, etc. Before I really do that, I also want to point out there was a lot of online criticism in both of those shows for having cast people of color in them. And I just want to go on the record here that I thought that was absolutely abhorrent. I thought all of the casting in both of those shows was exceptional and i don't think it is fair i think it is absolutely disgusting and it is absolutely racist to go on and say i don't like a show because i don't like the color of the skin of a cast member
1: and there's so much like there's so much hiding behind uh you know th- this is not what tolkien would have wanted or this is not what like the galaxy looks like, which is just absolute BS, have a little bit of imagination. They're made up worlds. Anyway, that's, that's my two cents.
0: I just wanted to go on the record and think that that just really, you know, it's not surprising when you see it and that's a shame. It's not surprising, but it's always depressing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It always bums me out. And you're just like, hey, can't the question be, is this a good character? Did they act well? Right. Am I interested in the story? Who cares what color their skin is? Honestly, people, it's almost 2023. Get over it. Grow up. That being stated, there were some criticisms out there that I thought are worth sort of dialoguing with. Now, if you happen to just not care for those shows, that's totally fine. And if you thought that maybe they lacked narrative momentum, you weren't necessarily invested in the outcomes. The case of Obi-Wan, you're like, hey, we kind of know what's going to happen. Do we need this story here in the middle? I think all of those are fair things worth talking about, but it's not what really drew my attention. The one thing that I found that I saw all over where people were upset because it sort of messed with the quote-unquote canon And that's what I want to talk about tonight. What is canon? How did we come to this idea as fans of canon? What happens when storytellers play with canon? And should we have an adverse reaction when things such as canon change? And what does that mean for us as fans and how we dialogue with the show? And I'm going to go on a personal journey here, as I said at the beginning. I remember when the Star Wars prequels came out. I was probably, of my group of friends, this is pre-internet like as we know it today, this is the late 90s, I was probably the biggest Star Wars fan of all the Star Wars fans. And I was in a community of young nerds and we were all big Star Wars fans. We were opening night every single one of the prequels. And I remember being very upset about things such as Obi-Wan Kenobi having known R2-D2. When, in fact, when we see him in episode four, A New Hope, Obi-Wan meets R2-D2 and he acts like, I've never owned a droid before. I can't recall ever having owned a droid. But clearly this droid's been a huge part of his life. I remember being incredibly upset about things like metachlorians, fundamentally changing the nature of the force so that it was a scientific thing that could be measured through blood tests and not a mystical energy force that you could tap into based upon some inert magical power that you found in you or you did not find in you. And I remember if there was an internet, a Facebook, um, you know, a Twitter back then, and I was on it, I probably would have been rage tweeting about these things. And I probably would have been completely mad. In fact, I was one of those who, when George Lucas sold Lucasfilm, I was like, good the last person I want making more Star Wars is George Lucas. And the reason I was upset was you messed with the canon. You had a story universe, it had these three movies, these three movies told a story, and then when you added additional content to that story, it changed the fundamental makeup, the rules of it. And that's really what a canon is. So I wanna go back and ask ourselves, what is a canon? How did we come to the term of canon? Then based upon that, I wanna sort of look at how I adversely reacted to the prequels and ask myself, why did I get so mad? And then why people got so mad in the ways that Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Lord of the Rings show, Rings of Power, might've changed the quote unquote canon. So first, what is canon? The term canon really comes back to the Middle Ages, the late Roman Ages, early late Roman Empire, early medieval era, in the formation of the uh, Roman Catholic Church. And there had to be decisions based upon what scriptures were or were not official gospels. Because there were a lot of people going around with writings saying, hey, this is what Jesus said or did. This is what a saint said or did. A saint said or did and there became a thing called the biblical canon. In fact, in the Roman Catholic Church today, if the Pope passes a new law, it is considered canon law. So the official gospels, as we know it, were canon. And just think about that. The people that were trying to come up with the religion that would end suffering on earth, to give the will of God to the people, said, canon is this thing that cannot change this is canon and the things outside of it, they are false. So if it is outside of canon, it is false. Huge thing to keep in mind when we think about how we discuss canon today.
1: Absolutely, and I picture with that description in mind, when you say canon to me, and I think a lot of people probably picture it this way because the term has been used variously to describe the Western canon and so on and so forth, I picture a bookshelf, right? This is people deciding which books are going to be approved and are going to be considered legitimate by the church. So you picture a bookshelf. These are the texts, these are the scriptures that define what is true and what is real and what is legitimate, and nothing else fits within it. It's a highly exclusive um, in the deepest sense of the terms, like it excludes people it excludes cultures it excludes texts etc it's a highly exclusive term but it is
0: useful if you're forming a system sure. to say this is what's part of the system this is what's outside of the system right so and then now the first time it was applied to fiction not to theology was sir arthur Cohen doyle who wrote sherlock holmes baby and so sherlock holmes was such a huge Smash hit that there were all of these offshoot Sherlock Holmes. And so there had to be a distinction between what was the official Sherlock Holmes of uh, Doyle, of what's his name again? I told totally you. Sir forgot.
1: Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, yeah, thank you
0: for reminding me. I had it written down. So there had to be a, a demarcation between this is what is official, part of Doyle's canon. And this is what the offshoot is.
1: Yeah, and this is, for better or worse, fanfic, right? Correct. What is outside of the legitimate work?
0: And now the two places where I think it's most prolific to think what's canon and not in current popular culture are in Star Wars and in Star Trek. These two franchises that are huge have things that are canon and are not canon. I'll focus more on Star Wars because I'm more familiar with it, specifically when Disney purchased Lucasfilm, they said all of the extended universe, so all of the video games, all of the uh, comic books, all all of the novels that were made aside from the six movies were decanoned. They were said, these are no longer part of this universe, and we are going to say that it's not part of a continuous story. In this respect, it's a pretty important thing to know what's part of this universe and what is not. Because if you are going to be a creative inside this universe, you do wanna know kind of the rules that you're playing with. You gotta know with, okay, if I'm gonna write a story, I need it to conform to part of what this story already
1: is. Or if you wanna say, pull a character from the extended universe, and bring them into your Star Wars story, but that person, that character has been decanonized, you have to remember, okay, I've got to introduce this person like they've never been part of the Star Wars universe before, because they de facto have not. Correct,
0: and it would be strange if Jedi just came out using ninja stars. Right. That's not really part of the canon. So if we saw Jedi using ninja stars not a weapon that you think is too crazy for the Jedi. They have a sort of martial arty component. You'd be like, hold on, is this part of the canon? Why do they use ninja stars?
1: Right, we're trying to preserve the vision and trying to create a cohesive uh, world, create a cohesive story environment, and also a cohesive brand because there's also marketing involved in this. It, it is a business. Yeah.
0: So canon can be incredibly useful to know, okay, these are the boundaries, these are the rules. This is sort of the the sandbox by which we're gonna play in creating and crafting this story. There's going to be things like Jedi and things like Sith. They're gonna be fighting each other. They're gonna be trying to control the light side and the dark side of the force. These are things Luke Skywalker will have always blown up the Death Star. You can't really change that. It's part of Star Wars. It's part of the canon. Now, let's flash forward to Rings of Power and Obi-Wan Kenobi and two criticisms that I saw online. Criticism four will start with Rings of Power. And this is where the spoiler wall just to say, I'm going to be spoiling some of the twists. There's a character called the stranger in Rings of Power. We come to learn they don't specifically say it, but it is heavily implied that this is Gandalf. Right. It is a wizard who likes little people who go on to become hobbits. And he wears gray. He looks like Gandalf. He speaks to
1: insects. He says things like, When in doubt, Eleanor Brandyfoot, always follow your nose.
0: It's definitely Gandalf. This really ruffled a lot of feathers to a lot of the die hard Lord of the Rings fans. Why? Because in the Cimmerillian, which is a sort of pre um, historical take on the Lord of the Rings universe that Tolkien wrote that got published after his death. And just to put myself out there, I have not read the similar, similar, I can't
1: say it. Silmarillion. I read it in middle school and it's not like fun reading. It's definitely worthwhile and interesting if you like the Lord of the Rings universe, but it's not like a fun time.
0: Yeah, I've tried to read it and it's nothing you can't learn easier just by going on a wiki, to be yeah, honest.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, and it was also like, it was published posthumously by Christopher. So it was not something that he intended to go out. It was just work that he was doing to create and expand his sandbox.
0: But in that text, it has the arrival of the wizards in a different era in time than the era and time that the show takes place. The show takes place at a specific point in Middle-earth history with the rise of Sauron and Galadriel rallying the elves against him and the men against Sauron. And Gandalf comes much later in the history. In this respect, it has broken the canon. Assuming the stranger is Gandalf, we do assume. The other potential possibility is that's a different timeline. But assuming that's the same timeline, which I think it most likely is the same timeline, then... It has sort of rewritten the canon and to a lot of the diehard Lord of the Rings fans, they were annoyed, they were mad, and a lot of them were very vocal about it. Now, to the Obi-Wan show. Obi-Wan Kenobi has an adventure with young child Princess Leia, and the entire story is Obi-Wan trying to get Princess Leia home. However, in episode four, A New Hope, Princess Leia doesn't know who Obi-Wan is. She's trying to go to Obi-Wan for the first time and acts and interacts like he's a stranger. However, there's this entire story now where they knew each other really well and really intimately. That's not something a kid is gonna forget. Being kidnapped and having a famous Jedi general come and rescue you and get you back home, that's an experience you're not gonna forget by the time you're a senator. You know, 10 years later. Yeah, 10, 15 years later. So obviously she's gonna know this Hence, it has kind of rewritten the canon and fans were very upset about it. And I saw these angry arguments and I saw people really getting upset and I thought about myself getting really mad at the prequels and really just just deep in my bones being like, what's wrong with you, George Lucas? You were ruining Star Wars. Now, decades later, and I have a son and I am doing my best to get my son into Star Wars. And so far it seems to be working. <laughs> and you know what movies he likes the most to watch? It's the prequels. Yeah. Why?
1: They're the most colorful. Yeah. There's pod racing. There's Jar Jar Banks. It's really,
0: really great for kids. He loves watching the prequels more so than the originals, which he does like to.
1: He does. Yeah.
0: You know, especially Return of the Jedi, like the first 30 minutes of that he really likes but he's really into the prequels. So when he says, let's watch Star Wars, I'm putting on the prequels and thinking to myself, why did I get so mad? Well, I got mad because the canon got changed. You changed the canon. And I asked myself, what is the virtue of the canon? Why do we have it and why do we fans take it so seriously? And my thoughts on it are that these stories become incredibly personal to us. Star Wars is not just a piece of passive entertainment to me. It's a part of my identity as a human being. And I love it so much that when I feel like it's not being treated with the deference that it deserves, there's an argument to be like, you have undermined this thing that almost holds, nay, I say a sacred space in my heart. And then I pause and I reflect and I see my son watching these prequels with glee. And I'm like, he's not gonna be upset that Obi-Wan Kenobi in episode four acts like he doesn't know R2-D2. That's not gonna matter a lick to him. This is going to be canon to him. To him, he's gonna grow up and think, oh, Obi-Wan's probably just being a little cagey because he plays games. After all, he kind of doesn't tell Luke who his father is. Obi-Wan can be a little bit of a trickster sometimes. So he's probably just manipulating Luke a little bit to edge him onto his journey. He's probably gonna have some explanation. He's not gonna be upset about the Metachlorians. And so I thought to myself, if the experience that I had watching the originals is like a sacred space to me, but the experience I have watching the prequels is not, does that lessen my experience from when I originally watched the first trilogy? In other words, do the prequels make the original movies worse? And if you really think about it, that's absurd. Of course they don't. The original trilogy still holds that place in my heart, regardless of the surrounding materials. So one, don't take it so personal is the lesson I take. It's really not about me the prequels were designed for a different audience other than me. It wasn't made for me. It was made for people like Arthur. It was made so Star Wars could live on. Then, why get so upset about it? And I found myself sitting there and thinking, man, I got it all wrong. I completely misunderstood what George Lucas was doing with the prequels. He was trying to tell a different story to a different audience. And that audience, younger boys in particular, they love it. And so who am I to say, if the, the original trilogy has the place in my heart, but the prequels hold my son's heart, should I not celebrate this, despite the fact that there are some strange inconsistencies? In other words, the sacred space and the love that we have for a material is not changed when the canon is changed. That space is still there. So the question is, not did the canon change, but is the story being told well? And I think that's the meditation that I've had. And why, when I look at Rings of Power and Obi-Wan Kenobi, I don't get mad about the canonical changes that they have made to the overall broader universe. Because to me, the question is, am I enjoying this story? Are these characters compelling? Do I find myself wanting to go on this adventure? And when I go on this adventure with these characters, am I learning something about them, about myself, that I could take to the real world? Am I just getting good escapism? You know, for me, I think Rings of Power was more like, I'm just happy to be back in Middle Earth, and this is cool, and I'm probably not going to think about this too much. Whereas Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm thinking, man, this is saying something about fascism and about resistance and about how oppression can break the will of people and how the love of a child can reinvigorate the heart of a broken general. And I feel like there's some more substance there. And to me, I can forgive, and I don't necessarily say a canonical, canonical break, but a canonical shift of just, tinkering with the canon just ever so slightly so you can tell the story better in this different medium.
1: Another day is here and you're
0: ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com
1: slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. I have a few ways I want to respond to that. I think that was really well said. One of the things I want to respond to is that question of, does a canonical shift make the original material worse? Does it lessen the impact of the original material? And I think that's a great question. I also think there are some cases where canonical shifts can richen, can enrich the material, right? So I'm thinking about Rings of Power and the relationship between the stranger and the Harfoots. And even before it was 100% clear that this was Gandalf and it was just suggested, we put on the Fellowship of the Ring and watched it. And I was like weeping in that first scene when Gandalf comes to the Shire, just from how much richer I felt about how much he must have have emotionally processed in coming to the Shire and being with the spiritual or ancestral descendants of the Harfoots, the people who took him in and, and cared for him and brought him back to health after he fell from a star. Like there's some really beautiful things that bloomed from that. Same thing with going back and watching A New Hope after seeing the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, because even though there is so little interaction between the two characters of Leia and and Obi-Wan, it's almost all indirect. Even the moment after Obi-Wan's death, you you can transfer some of that emotional weight to this scene and it actually makes it richer for me subjectively. So I just wanted to bring that dimension in as well. You've used a lot of words canon most likely, or, or most notably. You also in the intro to this episode said, I'm not gonna be dogmatic about this. And there are other words that come to mind like orthodoxy, sacred, things that have come up in this conversation. Those words that spring from the canon well, which are all religious words, right? And so I want to take a second to kind of validate a little bit of the feeling of canonical break because we've been conditioned to see canon as uh, equal to religion or something of religious or divine power and divine uh, placement. And many of us, pop culture nerds, fandom people, view things like Star Wars and the Lord of the Rings as something that is almost religious in its nature, in its stature. For a lot of people, it was the thing that brought us into ourselves, that brought us out of our shells, that got you into reading, right? That got so many people into communities through playing Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, playing Star Wars video games. These are things that helped people discover who they were and made them better people in many ways. And that is very similar to what a religious community is for other people. So I do want to validate a little bit of the like ill feeling that some people are ascribing to the canonical breaks, feeling like something in their religious community has been broken for them. I understand that. I really do. And I think it's a natural experience to see something like that happen and have a really knee-jerk painful reaction to it I think what we're doing here with this meditation is like is saying yes that is a natural reaction but it can be richer and it can be more helpful if you step back from that and see what the real problem is so I yeah I want to validate it a little bit and and understand that
0: just to jump in I get it too, because I had that reaction when I saw the Star Wars prequels. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you messed with the canon. How dare you sell Lucasfilm? Don't make more Star Wars. I was mad at George Lucas, who created this thing that I love so much, Yeah, which I reflect backwards and I say, man, that's bonkers, because now I have someone in my family who loves the prequels. That makes me love them. Yeah. Right? And so I think a lot of the reaction to the canon being changed while I understand why it happens because you're tinkering with something that you love and you're like, why tinker? Why mess with perfection? Yeah. Right, why redo A New Hope and have Greedo shoot first? Like, why do that? That's still actually a really bad decision in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, like, but why tinker with something like, Leonardo da Vinci didn't go and repaint the Mona Lisa, right? And so I understand that reaction as well, but I, for myself, personal journey here, think it's worth taking a step back and being like, why was I really so mad? I still have all these memories with Star Wars and I'm forming new ones with my son, similar to the Rings of Power. Why be really upset? Does it really matter in the Lord of the Rings narrative what era Gandalf comes to some people, that answer will be resoundingly, yes, it matters. It matters deeply to me. And changing that means I can't enjoy this show. And I'm not telling that person you're wrong, right? If that is that important to you, I believe, I believe you it, you know, like if you did all of the effort I'm reading the similar really, and God, I can't talk right now reading that prequel history book about Lord of (laughs) Rings and it is that matter, that passionate to you, then yes, by all stretch of the imagination, be upset about it and don't watch the show. That is totally fair. But what I might suggest doing is not being so publicly angry about it. Allow yourself time before you go out there with scorched earth because With time, you might have a new experience that might change your relationship to it and suddenly you're thinking, man, I got so mad about that. And looking back, was it really worth me putting out all this negativity into the digital world about it? Maybe just take a moment and just be like, you know what, not for me, but who knows? You might have a kid, you might meet a friend, you might meet a lover who will change your perspective about it And suddenly you're now open to this thing and being like, wow, you know what? The show Rings of Power actually did some really great stuff. Which I know in general, it does seem like the overall reaction to Rings of Power amongst fans is a collective meh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There is a collective
0: meh about it. Um, Whether or not we agree is a topic for another show. But I would still argue that you can find things changing because after all, it's not theology. Right. It's not a biblical canon. It is an imaginary world. And while we do have to, like if someone came out and did a Star Wars story and Luke Skywalker never existed in there, like if Taiko Waititi does a Star Wars movie and he rewrites it so there's no Jedi, no Sith, and Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader never existed, I think Star Wars fans would have a right to be like, what? So I do think there are some, there are some, and I don't think it's black and white, but there are but there some layers. there are like bones and can,
1: foundations on which story universes are built. To
0: make Star Wars, Star Wars, right? right? Like, and so if you don't make it Star Wars and you're like, is this Star Wars anymore? That being stated, I think it's worthwhile for me as a fan when I feel that reaction of you've messed with the canon, with the experience I've had with being a father, having a son, I feel like, yeah, what? The question I should be asking is Is this a good story first? And then where does it fit in canon second? Yeah. And I think oftentimes fans flip it and say, Is this in canon first? And then is it a good story secondary? Because in an imaginary world, if the story is good, I can forgive whether it steps or bends or breaks canon.
1: I can forgive all manner of plot holes and inconsistencies in the service of telling a good story. I really can. I do think like internal logic is important and I don't say throw it all out the window. But for me, it's really more about the emotional impact and the character impact than it is about following every single rule as though it's been ordained by some higher power. Uh, You know, an interesting thing I'm reflecting on as we talk about this is I wonder how much the transition of media has to do with the adherence to canon. So I'm thinking about Star Wars in particular, because we all know Star Wars began as a movie, but it was inspired by these like Buck Rogers serials, these fascinating adventures, which were certainly not beholden to canon. They were serials that were bred for longevity and bred to be able to come back with like a five minute episode every such and such, how many days or weeks, or every day, even for some of these adventure serials, they were every day on the radio. And so there was no one saying everything has to be internally consistent. It's just like, we want an adventure every day, right? And so so there's that element going into Star Wars. But then with Star Wars, with the MCU, with DC, there's also the world of comic books, right? Which no one is holding comic books to a high level of canon, right? Because the whole value of comic books is that they can be so mass-produced and cheaply produced that you can make millions of them and tell millions of stories in these wild, zany universes. And things can change. Heroes can have different names. They can have different love interests. They can live on different versions of Earth. There's this whole freedom and this creativity that comes from being able to say, well, what if we did it a little bit differently, right? And I wonder if the transition toward screens being where we receive all of that canon information, where we receive all of the stories within a particular universe, or the the preponderance of stories within a particular universe, makes us feel like what we're seeing through the screen is the most objective version, and therefore it must be the most canonical and it must adhere to all of the uh, all of the orthodoxy. Like I can't allow it a certain amount of creative freedom or I can't allow it to be an imagination within a uh, story universe. It has to be the definitive story. It has to be scripture.
0: Yeah, I think in other words, what you're saying, if I take your point, is the way in which a story is told the medium the delivery by which method, yeah. will have an impact on how we reate, react to it. You know, an interesting digging back into our mythic past, because after all, we are the midnight myth, the mythic poetic storytelling, the seed by which all Western storytelling, literature, plays, etc., sprung from is word to mouth stories by yeah, small oral, tribes yeah. with no canon.
1: It changes every time. It changes based on the audience by the storyteller, whether or not the storyteller can remember the details. Like everything was in flux. You know, I catch myself at times seeing like an adaptation of the Arthurian legend and being like, well, that's not correct. That's not accurate. And then I have to stop myself and remember that these are pseudo histories blended with Welsh oral storytelling and mythology, and legend, and folklore, and there is no canon. And that, once I realize can be really liberating because you get the freedom to play in a really extraordinarily fun and creative story sandbox and tell kind of whatever story you wanna tell within those parameters, which is really awesome. Even if you're Guy Ritchie and you make a really terrible movie, Uh, that I cannot justify by any means.
0: Yeah, but the problem with the Guy Ritchie King Arthur movie isn't that it's not like the legend. It's just that it's a bad movie. It's just a
1: bad movie. And it's like, if you're going to make a King Arthur movie, why don't you use any of the fun things about the legend <laughs> yeah, have
0: Merlin in it might help. You know, yeah, <laughs> people tend to like wizards, you know, so yeah, seriously. put a wizard in there. Yeah. So that's why it failed. It's not that it didn't respect exactly. That. Yeah. You know, and I, I think of, we were invited to do a review with our friends at geek salad radio and check out their podcast. It's a phenomenal podcast about yeah. all things geek. And we were talking about moon Knight, and they wanted to ask, Hey, you know, you guys are the mythology people, how does the representation of Egypt mythology hold up to what we know about ancient Egypt mythology? And the answer to that is like, ah, eh, not at all. But like, who cares? They obviously loved ancient Egypt and were bringing it to light in a new and different and fun medium. It doesn't have to match the actual ancient Egyptian book of the dead. You know, like that, who cares? Nobody would like, that wouldn't be interesting to us modern audiences anyway. Right. We wanna see intersectional planes of consciousness. You know, like that's what's interesting. There you go. So that's my thought here on Canon for me personally. And again, I'm not projecting this to anyone else. This is just a personal meditation, is to not take Canon too seriously. Ask myself first and foremost, is this a good story? And then secondly, okay, how does it fit with the Canon? Recognizing that yes, there can be times and places where a storyteller can play too fast and loose with the rules of the universe and suddenly you're left as a fan scratching your head, but even when that happens, to not be so mad about it, because if a new storyteller doesn't do the universe justice, it doesn't ruin the experience of the stories that you still love. Those are still close to your heart. And for me, that is the meditation I take out of watching, and I never jumped in, but just watching the debate unfold, it's mostly on my Twitter timeline, being like, people are really upset about this. I'm like, huh? I'm like, you know what? I get it. Cause I got upset at 1.2. And now in my life, I have a different reaction. And I wanted to flesh that out here today at the Midnight Myth. And thank you all for listening. And I'd love to hear if you think, do you think I'm crazy? Is canon the most important thing? I have a good buddy of mine who like a continuity error in a shared universe, drives him nuts. And you know which friend I'm thinking of, I bet.
1: I certainly do.
0: I won't say his name on the podcast because he hasn't given me permission to. But I have a friend that's just like, you know what? You have a continuity error in a shared story. I'm sorry, that's bad storytelling. And that is very important to him. And I absolutely respect that. I've been there. I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you know what? Within time, within perspective, it's not as important to me as it once was.
1: I just wish you all the the blessing of release from canon and release from continuity errors because if you find a way to let them go, I imagine you'll probably have a more fun time consuming content. I just that's my Christmas wish for you. Whatever you celebrate, my holiday, my solstice, my Yule wish for you is I wish you more fun when consuming content. And just remember. If you're
0: to the ancient Greeks,
1: Apollo is both the sun
0: god and not the sun god at all. Because there is no canon. Yep. And until next time, be kind. (laughs)